Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Andy Sutton. Thanks for being on the show, Andy. Thank you for having me, Whitney. Yeah, I'm honored to have you on the show. Just your level of experience, or just welcome you to, you know, to come back as well, because I know there's so many things that we can learn from your experience and vast knowledge. But a little about Andy, he serves the Sutton Group as principal of brokerage services, focusing on multifamily, medical, and retail investment services. His experience in business and commercial real estate is extensive in the marketplace with a wide range of experience in the field as a broker and as an investor. He's based in Atlanta, been there for almost 30 years. During that time, he's done over $750 million in deals in more than 20 states. That's impressive, Andy. And uh, I look forward to hearing a little more about that. And, uh, you know, just can't thank you enough for your time. But give the listeners a little more about who you are. Yeah, my name's Andy Sutton, the principal of the Sutton Group. Just to give you a little bit of background, kind of born and raised into the real estate. My father was a home builder and then a developer of the commercial, which is how I got my feet wet. Every summer I would come home and I would end up working in the field. So not only am I able to review properties and understand it from a financial standpoint, I also had my feet in pulling concrete for footings and so forth. So again, just extensive knowledge from start to finish for that's concerned. Nice. Okay. So were you at college then? You were coming home over the summers? So I was. Yeah, I got a degree actually in mechanical engineering, which is not quite what I'm doing, but I think it helps with the math and science part of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, this that many deals, that many states, you know, you've been doing this, you're, you're very experienced in this real estate business and, you know, you're working in different asset classes, which some people are, you know, just said, nope, I'm only going to stick with multifamily. I know other guys that say, no, you know, I'm only going to stick with retail. You know, that's where it's at or, but, you know, could you give us a little, is your thought process on, you know, and opening up your business to different asset classes and why? Yeah, no, and I understand that. And I agree with that for a certain extent. I mean, there are a lot of guys who just focus on retail or just multifamily because it's typically they're working with institutions or some other different type of investors that way that private equity groups. Most of my guys usually crossover product types. So I had to learn each and every product type. I actually started in the retail sector. I built office in retail, but then I ended up doing the investment sell side of it in early 2002, roughly. And so I started in the retail cycle side of it and just kind of worked my way from there and learning as I went. When you have these guys that decide to do a cross product type, I don't want to lose them or refer that business out because it can be a tremendous amount of referral source and also longevity for the client. So I ended up helping them do that. And then as you're in the field and doing different product types, you learn the ins and outs and what different types of uh, internal rate of returns they're looking for or cash on cash or each investor has their own different goal they're looking for for each yeah. product type. So. Yeah. 
So why don't we talk about that a little bit, you know, just, you know, what investors are looking for or should expect, you know, different deal types like that, multifamily versus retail. Yeah, I mean, that can be kind of confusing, right? A lot of people have never even heard of syndication or sure. real estate syndication or don't even know that they can invest in real estate passively. You know, it's like we're so right. trained that it has to be the stock market or 401k, mutual funds. You know, it's like most of us are raised thinking, well, that's how we get our retirement, right? A lot of people don't even know that you can do this over here. So, you know, we start talking about different asset classes and things like that. Maybe, you know, you can help us to think through like what an investor should be thinking about with thinking multifamily or retail. Sure. Yeah, there's so much to look at. I'm sure you're aware of it. So when you want to syndicate or become an investor in any of these types of deals, and it really comes down to what they're trying to achieve because there's so many avenues. I mean, a lot of investors don't realize that they can do a self-directed IRA. So they can put their money in the self-directed, which will allow them to buy real estate. Now, they can't touch that money. It has to be a third party that handles all that. But you're able to put the returns back into that investment profile and just let it sit there, similar to any type of 401k. But you get a sale where you're putting it, which is what I do now. I'm not in the stock market anymore. I haven't been for quite some time because I do what I know best and I know what my returns will be and I know what kind of deals I can look for and the upside in those deals. You know, each asset class is a little bit different. The retail side, you know, a lot of people in the past few years have said, well, we think the retail is going away. There's not going to be any bricks and mortar. I disagree with that. I think there's always going to be somebody has to go get their hair cut, get their nails done, and they like to go to the shopping or a restaurant. So there will be some that do, but if you look and see, most of that hasn't taken away from the retail. In fact, most of the clients that I know of are expanding. Even the mom and pops are expanding. So when an investor looks at that, you can get in with a little bit less money when you do in the retail because you can buy retail centers anywhere from a million and a half up. So it usually will take, you know, $300,000 roughly to get in that. So the smaller investor is able to get into those a little bit easier versus the multifamily. Unless you're looking at you know, 10, 15, 20 units, you start looking at 50 to 100 units, you're looking at 5 million and up. So that can get quite costly for someone. You got to put in at least a million and a half. So you got to have a little bit more money. Your percentage of ownership in those is slower, but it's still a good investment. People are always going to have to have a place to live. And I really believe in the multifamily product itself. Yeah. Yeah. So as an investor, you know, let's say as a, even a passive investor, what are some things or differences between the asset classes or maybe a little more in depth that I need to understand? Or, you know, obviously we can't go, you know, explain all of them on the show today, but you know, some, even just some things that may be mistaken, you know, or if we're talking about even different types of returns versus, you know, the longevity of this investment or from multifamily to retail. Well, one of the differences between retail and multifamily is the retail side. Typically, all the expenses are passed through to the tenant. So that actually, you don't have those moving parts. So if the taxes go up, the insurance goes up, it's passed through to the tenant. Unlike the multifamily, which is more of a similar to running a business, you're going to have all the operating expenses, you're going to have administrative expenses, you're going to have more vacancy because you're going to have more turnover. Typically, those are 12-month leases. So unless you keep the longevity of that particular tenant, then you're going to see more turnover, which in order to do turnover, you've got to redo all the units that they move out of or the vacancy. And then that there's costs associated with that. So the main difference is at least, you know, on the retail side, what those hard costs are typically going to be year after year after year versus the multifamily. And you're doing that based on 
you know, market knowledge, experience, and also how the property management company is going to handle that. Mm. Your returns are going to be a little bit better on the retail side as far as a cash on cash. They could be anywhere. It's dependent on the type of retail product type, whether it's all credit tenant or some mom and pops. But you're looking at probably 10 to 12% cash on cash, a little bit higher than that. And then an internal rate of return, probably closer to 20. The multifamily, you're going to get probably closer to a 7% return on your money with an upside probably around 16. I've seen it higher than that. Depends on, again, what you said. Each deal, they all can be, they can be value add or increase in rents or below market rents. And, and so there's a lot of variables. And that's where I come into play where I can look at all the different angles for these particular clients and kind of give them my best guess, so to speak, what that's going to look like from my experience. Yeah. And so, you know, given, or let's say, you know, medical and retail, multifamily, let's say they're on a level playing field, you know, as far as the operator's experience and track record, and then maybe even the returns, you know, what's going to be your preferred method or your preferred asset just personally? Personally, I have purchased retail office and multifamily. I don't do office anymore because it is a lot different market. I do have clients that are, are in uh, South Korea and Sydney, both. They've bought a large deal here a couple of years ago in Atlanta. And the occupancy rate has gotten up and the rental rates have gotten up. That's where we are in the cycle. What people forget and don't understand is this it's cyclical. Every real estate has a cycle, whether it's office, retail, multifamily, industrial, medical, any of those has a cycle. So you really have to pay attention to where you are in the cycle. Right now, we're in the best cycle for the office. But if I'm going to do it for me personally, I'm looking at retail multifamily. And ultimately, I'm going to have more multifamily than retail. I've done well in the retail sector. I like the retail sector. If the location is good, again, it goes back to location, location, location. I typically like deals that are inside cities in the limit. Some suburbia areas are really good too, pockets. So again, those are my two favorites and those two that I invest in. So, you know, being in the business as long as you have and talking to so many people in the industry, you know, what's been the difference in the the ones who, you know, let's say getting started, a lot of listeners are are getting started in this industry and, you know, they're growing their brands or businesses. And, you know, what's really been the thing that you've seen in people that's made them excel to the next level versus the ones that don't make it or, you know, they don't make it to that first syndication, that first deal? Well, I guess there's two questions there. One is who doesn't make to the first syndication? A lot of those guys do it out of fear or do not do it out of fear. You're trusting your money with some third party that you're not familiar with. Now, you have to look at the track record with that third party, basically, or that syndicator. I don't think it's really any different than the stock market, though. You're trusting your money in the stock market and the business model and everything else. Again, you're probably looking at the history of that, how the stock and the company is done. Typically, that's what you need to do as far as the syndicators are concerned to look at that. You know, again, each deal is different. So you have to look at, again, what each individual investor is trying to achieve. I mean, if they're in their 30s, they got plenty of time for a whole period. If you're in your late 50s, it's a little different whole period. But I always look at deals. I had a couple of really good investors over time. And one common theme that each one of them told me, and I always want you when you're in this business, you start talking to these investors and how they sold deals and they've traded up and, and now they're worth multi-million dollars. The one common theme has always been you never bleed the turnip. You always leave a little gravy on there for other investors. And if you do that, they say you always go forward and it always works out for you. So that has really been one of my key components that I live by. 
on each deal that I do. But also, you have to make sure that you have an experienced guy looking at those so that you know the ins and outs and, you know, you're not looking at just what your return is going to be. Okay, what's the negative component? What could happen? What's the con? So those, if you've got somebody looking at it from all angles like that, then you're pretty much going to do okay. Now, I don't guarantee anything. And if someone does, and that's not the person you really should be talking to because everything, every investment doesn't work out as perfectly as you would like for it to be. Sure. So, you know, if you could go back, you know, 30 years, what would you tell yourself, you know, after knowing what you know now? Be patient. (laughs) Be patient. Be sure and do your due diligence and look at a little deeper and really know who your partners are or the investors in there. You know, each one, anytime I do deals, I like to meet them just to get a face-to-face or a handshake, just to kind of know and get a good feel about that person. I've had deals in the past that didn't work out so well, and it usually is because of the partners. So you really have to pick your partnerships accordingly. Yeah. So, you know, when you are looking at multifamily, we'll use multifamily for this example, but what's your buying criteria that you're looking for now? Gosh, anywhere from 50 to 200 units, and it really depends on the area. So they can go for, you know, 60,000 unit or they can go up to 250,000 units. So it really depends on, I'm looking at a deal right now that's locally, it's more of a student housing, but it's right next to a college and a belt line basically is, it's a trail line around the area, which gets you to and throughout the city and the campus. So I think the location, again, we talk about location. I think that's a fantastic location. And it's a local owner that owns it and really wants to get out of that market and get something closer to home. So for me, that's the type of deals that I like. So right now I'm analyzing that one. Okay. You know, in the bio, we had mentioned that, you know, you've done deals in more than 20 states. I mean, that's a lot. (laughs) It's almost half, you know, of the states. So are you open to that large of a market or that many locations? Or, you know, how do you focus, you know, the markets that you're looking in now? I do. I typically focus in the Southeast right now. I do, like I said, I have clients that are international clients that like to buy in different states. I also have clients that are on the West Coast that like to buy in different states. So that's kind of how I fell into that. I got a lot of the Northeast guys. So when you've been doing this as long as I have, it just happens that way. So it's not as if I can't analyze a property in Arizona or, you know, Texas or Atlanta or Florida or North Carolina, or South Carolina. The fundamentals are the same. You just need to know the market. You got to do market research if you're not familiar with that market. But born and raised here all my life, I've traveled all over the United States. So I know a pretty good bit of the markets. Now they all change, but that's why you call up other brokers and you get some opinions in those areas as well. So, yeah. Yeah. So what's been the hardest part of this syndication journey for you? I think allocating enough time to it is time consuming. And so being able to allocate enough time to be able to chase and get out and get more investors to buy particular deals, because there's a lot more deals right now that I can find that I do have the individual investors to invest right now. And of course it is in the year from December on, you don't really get a whole lot done. This is my kind of clean up, get ready for the new year, you know, product, which will happen in about a week. And then that's when you'll start reaching back out. Most of these investors will find out what their plans are for the year and how much they want to allocate for that particular year. Wow. So, you know, you mentioned, you know, you have more deals than you have investors for and at the moment. So, you know, can you elaborate a little about how you've grown your deal flow? you know, to that point. Most people, I feel like, you know, they can't find deals right now, you know. And so how have you grown your deal flow? You know, maybe a couple of ways that you've really increased that. Yeah, a couple of ways. Well, I mean, again, just 
being in this industry for so long, I probably get 150 potential deals across my desk or my email, I should say, on a weekly basis. Now, they're not all multifamily, but they're a tremendous amount of retail and multifamily combined. There's some medical in there as well. Um, so that alone sends me a, a ton of deals, but also have a lot of relationships through the brokers without, through the commercial board realtors and throughout the United States that I've dealt with previously or talked with or shown deals. Again, and then you have your typical, when you market deals, you have more investors reaching out for that. So I do investment sales as well. So when you look at it that way, you probably get 200 per deal that you push out there. And so when you do that, you create a database and with that database, you're able to see more and more deals or reach out and find more owners and more deals. What's a couple of tips getting through that many deals, like 150 <laughs> emails, you know, deals a week, you know, yeah. somehow we have to like quickly narrow this down to the ones that we need to spend some more time on. Right. You know, so what's your first couple of steps in like narrowing that down to, you know, the couple or three that you really need to focus on? Which ones are realistic and are not, you know, right. the ones that are trying to target particular ones, but yeah, that is the concern. I typically allocate the time in the morning or in the evening, not during the productivity time. And when you send it, you typically will have an email blast or something. And I just look for the bullet points, okay? What are they asking? What are the cap rates? How big is it? And I can do a quick calculation where I think that's more. If it's something I'm interested in, then I dump it into a folder on my email. And then I will follow up with that, get the packages, and just takes time. You know, when you get these packages, a lot of them could be 20 pages. They could be 60 pages. So I know which ones to go to and what to look for and where the hidden things are, if they are value add or performative numbers, those I just dump in a folder. I don't even look at those. So I'm able to weed through those pretty quickly. Yeah. And so how do you prepare for this potential downturn that everybody's talking about? You know, I'm not sure 2020 is going to be, a, it will be a downturn. I think the interest rates are great. So the money's easy to borrow and the returns are still good for these guys. I think you have to be prepared for that. You always have to keep that in the back of your mind and you try to go ahead and do the bull run while you can save money away. I can't tell you how many young guys that wanted to come work for my previous company that I had with a partner and we ended up selling to Grub and Ellis. Those guys came in very young, hungry, making a ton of money and they just didn't prepare for the future. They didn't put money away. I told them you need to put money away and I'm not talking six months. You need to put a couple of years worth of traveling money away to pay your bills and little comfortably. And then at the same time, you're purchasing deals where you can get recurring income. I mean, you really want that, I call mailbox money, a recurring money each time annually that's coming in for you. So you don't feel that pressure and you ride the cycle out. And while you're riding that cycle out, you have cash on hand to purchase it as the prices go down. And that's where you make mm. big money. Is you buy low, you sell high, typical. But that is the truth in any type of industry, especially this one. So what's a way that you've improved your business recently that we could apply to ours? Actually, you know, I'm 57 years old, but I've got more on the social media and more pages that way, following multifamily groups and retail groups and making more connections that way. Because you'd be surprised how many people will ship things through there, or push things through there that I haven't seen or are on the market. So I'm trying to get more involved with the social media aspect of it and reaching more out, and also mentoring. I do a lot of mentoring. I have a couple of young guys now that are working for me that I enjoy giving back, mentoring them, and helping them achieve 
hopefully some of the success or more success than I have. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I can't stress enough having a mentor and just the change that, you know, the way that that excelled myself and business and many things, you know, having different mentors for different things too. So appreciate that. And what's your best advice for caring for investors so they want to return to the next deal? Well, you would like for the first deal to be an absolute home run for them because <laughs> right. then, then the money just keeps coming back. And that's what we really try to focus on. If we get some new investors, we want to make sure it's a good home run for them. We're closing one next month. Similar to that, it's a larger retail deal. It's like three and a half million. We pulled in 1.2 from investors and syndicating that deal. And we're giving them a great preferred return plus a huge upside on that one. So we want to make sure that that is absolutely a home run. That's what we try to do. If not, we at least want to communicate and let them know on a regular basis what's going on with that particular deal. I think communication is a big law skill, but it's a big, huge thing for these guys. What's the main form of communication for you all and how often? I mean, everyone likes to email or text nowadays, but I don't prefer text so much, but I usually like to email or I like to personally call. Mm -hmm. And what's the one thing that's contributed to your success? Again, I think patience. You have to be patient in this industry. You're going to have ups and downs. You're going to have good deals, bad deals. You're going to have something that falls through. Thank goodness I only had one deal that didn't quite work out over my career, but no one could have picked the recession. We were going to buy a deal right next to where Trump was going to put a brand new tower. He backed out of the tower. I mean, everyone knows what happened to the recession at that point. It just ended up not working out. No one was, it was an office building. And it would have been a sweet deal, but you know, it happened. So I would say patience. Mm, yeah, patience. <laughs> Most of us don't have enough patience. Right, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, willing to wait, you know. That's why I'm trying to stress that as much as I can. You know, even though I'm not the best at it, I'm still learning. Yeah. Well, you know, before we have to go, tell us how you like to give back other than uh, mentoring. As far as what do I like to give back? Yeah, just how you like to give back. Well, I do a lot of mentoring. I not only do mentoring from the business standpoint, I also do it personally. I actually help underprivileged kids who don't have fathers in their lives, and I've been doing it for about 12 years, and wow. uh, getting them through school, working with their anger issues, getting them into a trade school or college, and helping them through that. That's a big passion of mine. And you'd be surprised, now this is kind of off topic, you'd be surprised how well a young man will do with just a little mentoring from an older person or a man in his life. It's, it's, it's truly amazing. I've been blessed with it. I'm going to continue doing it for as long as I can. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that because it is it's so important. And ultimately, they desire that leadership. They think they do or not. They really desire some of that leadership and someone to show them. Yeah, they actually, Whitney, they crave it. It's amazing how much they crave that. And all you have to do is just spend a little time, spend an hour with them a week for lunch. Now, I do that much more, but that's how it started out. It's been a blessing. Is there an organization that you do that through or maybe the listener or myself could get involved in? There was one. It was called Lining Cubs. I started with elementary kids and helping them through. I thought it was a good time that one particular one, I've still, he's been in my life for 12 years. I'm getting into a trade school now, but he has some anger issues, always getting in fights and I work through that. And now he's a fantastic young man. So that's one of them. There's a ton of them out there. There's one other organization that I'm looking to, and I can't think of the name right now, Whitney, but they do more of that. And I'm actually going to reach out to them after the first year and see if I can get more involved in that. Nice. I know there's like Big Brother, Big Sister. Yeah, Boys like and that. Girls. Yeah, that's all right. All of that. But I think you just have to pick one that you feel you're passionate about, that feels good for you, and it will come. 
Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that, Andy, and giving back in that way. Appreciate your time being on the show today and just sharing from your vast experience. And uh, you know, tell the listeners, though, how they can get in touch with you and learn more about you. Well, they can check out my website, which is suttonregroup.com. They're welcome to email me at andy at suttonregroup.com, or they can call me at 404-429-8566. Awesome. Thanks, Andy. That's a wrap. Thank you, Whitney. I appreciate your time. Don't go yet. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I would love it if you would go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. I want to hear your feedback. It makes a big difference in getting the podcast out there. You can also go to the Real Estate Syndication Show on Facebook so you can connect with me and we can also receive feedback and your questions there that you want me to answer on the show. Subscribe too so you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, I want to keep you updated. So head over to lifebridgecapital.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with me, sign up on the contact us page so you can talk to me directly. Have a blessed day and I will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.